This is indeed the sweetest name I know. Uh, thank you, Brother Gideon and Brother Adrian for singing that. Uh, always a blessing to hear both of you sing. You should do more of it. <laughs> um, good to be in God's house tonight and uh, let's just pray before we start and uh, thank you Brother Josh for this morning. That is a tremendous encouragement. My challenge is to finish as quick as you did but uh, <laughs> I can't talk as fast as you so it's a problem. Right? Anyway, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening, for these folk who have gathered, and pray, Lord, that you'll open the scriptures to us, and Lord, just um, help us to just meditate on them, and Lord, consider our own lives in light of that. Uh, thank you again for being amongst us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Long reading, but hopefully short message, all right? So, <laughs> A familiar story, and I've titled this evening's uh, message, How to Miss God's Blessing. Often you don't get a sermon with a negative twist to it. Uh, it should have been, how do you get God's blessing, but uh, I've titled this, How to Miss God's Blessing. So, you're all smart people, you'll work out that you do the opposite of what these guys did, then you will get God's blessing. Um, how many of you know that God is a God who is a bless all? He wants to bless us abundantly. He wants to give himself to us. He sent his own precious son to die on the cross for us. The most precious gift that anyone could ever receive. The gift of salvation. Why? Because he wants to bring us back to himself. He wants to redeem us, uh, those of us who are lost outside of Christ, and to bring us to himself. And so the Bible has many, many topics about God's blessing to us. Uh, very early on, in, he said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Through Abraham would come a great blessing to all families of the earth. In the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul says that we are blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God is a God of great blessing. And so God brought the children of Israel in this passage. Of course, you read through the Exodus and how God heard the cries of the people in Egypt who were suffering under the slavery of the Pharaoh. And he was going to bring them into the, what we call the promised land. And it necessitated them getting out of Egypt. And you know the story, the ten plagues that God brought on there and all the marvelous wonders he did. He picked a man called Moses who... Uh, was a murderer and he was hiding in the desert but God reached out to him. God did a work in his heart while he was in the desert and God reached out to him and brought him back into leadership to bring the people out. And they went through the desert um, 
and uh, the wilderness where God had to teach them many lessons. One of the important things was the giving of the law and the uh, setting up of the tabernacle, establishing true worship of God and a reliance and a dependence on God. And uh, uh, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day reminded them of God's direction and guidance and leading and presence amongst them. He was one who was never ever going to leave or forsake them. In fact, that promise is seen right back then. And then it's uh, emphasized for us throughout scripture. And so we come to this story where they are now at Kadesh Bania. And uh, they are about to enter the land that God had prepared for them. Now, a bit earlier from the passage that Glenn read in verse eight, uh, chapter, uh, verse 8 of chapter 1, this is what it says. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. So God's instruction was go in and possess it. I brought you now to the, through the fire by night and the uh, cloud by day. I brought you now to this place and I want you to go and possess the land that I have prepared for you. The children of Israel were a little bit apprehensive because the people who lived in these lands were giants. And there were people who would uh, very easily uh, defeat anyone who would try to come and take the good land off them. So they uh, appealed unto Moses and uh, it would appear that if you read the parallel passage in um, Numbers chapter 14, that God consented to their plan. So they go to Moses and they say, well, uh, give us some time. We want to go and um, inspect the land and see whether we um, are able to go into this land. And it says there in that reading that it pleased Moses that they asked for this. So perhaps Moses himself perhaps had a bit of apprehension about this, but he allowed the people to go into um, this land, the promised land. And there's a period of 40 days that they went up through the land. They didn't have sort of um, four-wheel drives those days to do a very quick tour and come back. They had to go by foot and uh, mind you, they would have been apprehensive every time a nine-foot guy came along, they probably went and hid somewhere. So it did take them a bit of time to work through, work, work their way through the land. And uh, I want to uh, just suggest to you that when we stand at the um, point of a great decision, God often gives us a test. And this test uh, in this uh, period was 40 days. And uh, God said in his word that this land is yours. His commandment is pure. God never lies. God says, it is yours. I've prepared it. Go and take it. That's what he said. The Bible said, go and possess it. Walk in. You'll get it. That's what God said. But um, God allows the 40 days. 
and uh, you know to prove their hearts to see how good they were in uh, trusting the word of the lord and if you think about it this 40 days becomes a pretty uh, important period in many instances moses was up on mount sinai for how many days 40 days and what was god doing with moses in those 40 days giving him the law the word of god he was being equipped to lead the people in uh, the ways of god at the start of jesus's ministry he was led into the wilderness for how many days 40 days and so jesus was tested was he not with some massive temptations as the devil came and tried to derail the purpose for for which he came but jesus used the word of god he said it is written it is written it is written and uh, the devil had no answer to that and so god often puts us in places of challenge when uh, he says i prepared this place for you but he also gives you a test to see whether you are really committed to following god's word and going and possessing what god has for you and so they came back these 12 guys who were selected uh, from the leaders of the 12 tribes one from each and 10 of them had a completely different perspective to two of them the 10 said look uh, oh, we we've been through the land sure it's a great land but guess what the people are like giants we're never ever going to be able to overcome them and uh, by the way the the, the walls you, you know the walls go up to heaven i mean they they are walled cities how are you going to climb over them and so they gave a very the bible says a very evil report but two of them actually saw because they trusted in the word of god the bible says they wholly followed the lord these two men Caleb and Joshua and so when you trust the lord all those obstacles and those fears become as nothing they crash down in the sight of the word of god and so they were able to say yes we saw the enemy but we are well able to overcome you see the difference in perspective 10 people saying well we can't but two of them said we can so how does that play out so if he said we all send you into a walled uh, into a heavily armed garrison the chances are that some of you are going to really uh freak out they we can't do this we are going to we are going to back out but there'll be some of you who will say we can why because we trust in the word of the lord he said this is for us he has prepared it for us we are well able to overcome in fact they said <laughs> Caleb and Joshua said we are well able to do it not just able to do it we are well able to do it we are more than conquerors as the apostle paul would talk to us in romans chapter 8 more than conquerors it's given before you even go into battle it's ours to go and take possession of Amen. the 10 made a decision based on sight two made a decision based on faith they trusted god's word and so the first thing that blocks god's blessing is a refusal to obey 
God's word. You know the familiar verse that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith in the word of God. Now God's been talking to his children through his servant Moses. Uh, They've been talking the words of God, what they should do and how they should conduct themselves, how they should worship the Lord. The Ten Commandments are given, the relationships with each other, the relationship with God, all was properly laid out. And God has repeatedly said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take you into this land flowing with milk and honey. I'm not sure how many times that was mentioned in the lead up to this. But God repeatedly assured them of this great land. And yet at that critical point, the juncture when they should have made that decision on faith, They backed out. And it says they got pretty violent. They were actually going to stone Caleb and Joshua. They said, you guys are leading us to a sure death. We better put you to death because otherwise we are are going to perish with you. All major decisions in life that we make must be made on faith and not on sight. Because if you do it by sight, the giants will overwhelm you. The walled cities will say this is impossible. And so you will stop and you will go back. And amazingly, roll the clock forward a little bit. After Joshua finally uh, led the children across the Jordan, the first city they had to take was a city called Jericho. And what did they have to do at Jericho? They marched around that city. And what happened to these big walls that went up to the heavens? Couldn't God not have done this to them at Kadesh Baniya? Could they not have gone in and said, We come in the name of the Lord, like David said when he faced Goliath? They sure could have. God positions us for victory according to his timing and purpose. His voice and spirit speaks to encourage us to move forward in faith. Do we habitually ignore God's voice? Do we habitually disobey the word of God? The task and the enemy may may appear intimidating. Caleb and Joshua said this, the Lord is with us, fear not. Paul said this, if God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors through him or through Jesus. Psalm 91 says that we dwell, we abide under the shadow Of the Almighty. And so here was an incredible picture of people who are led by God. God was in the midst of them. God spoke into their hearts, spoke into their lives, and said, I'm going to give you this place. And when he said, Go up and get it, go up, go up, go up and possess it, they said, No, your word is not good enough. 
we need to send some spies out. We need to check it out whether what you're saying is true. So what were they doing? They were really calling God a what? A liar. Lord, you can't be trusted in this. My way has got to be better. A consensus of opinion is stronger than the word of God. And isn't that the way the world is today? We are leading by consensus of opinion. God's word no longer matters. Uh, Parliaments are passing laws based on popular vote. I won't mention the laws that have been passed, but uh, you expect God to bless our country? Well, guess again. God's blessing will be stopped till we repent. I wonder whether some of us are in a 40-day period in our lives. You're facing a decision. And God said, you know, this is what I want you to do. And God's taking you through some stuff in these 40 days. Would you firmly anchor yourself to the word of God and what God has said? Are you committed to following every commandment that God has put in his word. You know the uh, King Saul. Could have been one of the greatest kings. That Israel knew. He made one mistake. He was asked to wait for Samuel to come. To offer the sacrifice to God. And Samuel got delayed. Seven days I believe. But Samuel perhaps got held up. And he got delayed. So what did King Saul do, he took the role of the priest and he said, well, you know, I've seen this done before. All you need to do is to, you know, kill a lamb, put this, offer some fire and it's done. So he made it a ritualistic thing, not a thing that God had ordered so that the presence of God would come. And that one act took the throne away from the life of King Saul, one act of disobedience. And then you look at his life, there was continual partial obedience uh, when God said, destroy the Amalekites. He wouldn't do it, you know. And the prophet said, what's that I hear, that bleeding? Well, what's that thing? And his life was tainted from that time. And what did it lead to? Hatred towards God's anointed king, David, and all the evil that he did. And so disobedience would lead to a failure of faith, not trusting God's word, and bring a chain of evil that will follow our lives all the way through. Is God's blessing being blocked in your life because of disobedience? Are you disobeying God in something? And I don't know what it is for you, but maybe God would reveal that to you. Are you doing something that is clearly against the word of God? Then take heed, because God's blessing is being blocked in your life. Now I want to suggest you a second thought here. There was a refusal to obey, and then there was a rebellion that took place as a result of it. And verse 26 and verse 27, 
Moses said this, Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you did what? You murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites. So what are these people saying? God, your love is... We can't sense your love. You actually hate us. And so that flies in the face of scripture which says that God is what? God is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know when we start to hate God instead of loving God for all that he did for us. We are again going down a spiral of destruction. And they're saying it to the man of God, to Moses. You rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. In the parallel passage in Numbers, it says that they decided to appoint a captain. Another captain. Not the captain of their salvation, who is Jesus. But let's appoint another captain. Let's pick the most popular man amongst us. And let us go back to where? Back to? Egypt. Egypt, as you know, is a picture of the world. And God's taken them out of that, given them his precious word. How many of you treasure the word of God? You know, it's amazing. God's given us his heart in this Bible. And every time we open it, God, it should like just smash us in the face and say, that's what God's saying. It's true. It's full of truth. It's going to help me. It's going to benefit me. And they said, no, we, we leave all that behind. We, we, we can't put up with God's word. I mean, we don't trust it anyway. I mean, he's asking us to go to this land, but look at this. It's got giants, and it's got this, and it's got that, and we are never ever going to get in there. We want to go back to Egypt. So they murmured. They murmured ten times, by the way. The Bible says they murmured ten times in their tents. Murmured against God's, against God. The second way to block God's blessing is rebellion against God or displacing God from your life. You say, God, I don't need you anymore. We're going to appoint another captain and we're going to head back in exactly the opposite direction that you're asking us to do. <coughs> now, the definition of repentance is really turning from your wrong way and turning towards Christ. Rebellion is turning away from Christ and walking exactly in the other direction. Have we unconsciously displaced God in certain areas of our lives? Is God the Lord of everything in our lives? Are we willing to take his word and follow him every step of our journey? Be it easy or be it hard. There were many men in the Bible who did that. Righteous men. One comes to mind, the life of Job, the most righteous man who ever lived. Went through some hard times, but he never lost his love for his God. And he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. I serve a living God. He loves me. 
And I, I can't understand what I'm going through, but I'm still going to follow him. Amen. Guess his, his wife gave up. She said, curse God and die. She said, you know, find another captain. This is not working. Find another captain. I'm telling you that in our Christian life, you'll come to points where you'll be tempted to find another captain. Maybe the captain of wealth. Might be the captain of popularity. But you'll be lured into following one of those paths. But remember, when you do that, God's blessing departs from you. I know there's one thing uh, that I've learned over the long years I've lived on this earth is that God's never failed me yet, not once. Have I had difficulties? Sure I have. Have I failed the Lord in many areas? Sure I have, more than you. But has God always been there when I've come back with tears in my eyes and said, Lord, I, I... I've messed up again. But God's been there. God's lifted me up. And God said, keep going. Because we're all made of our sinful nature. And there are times we would fail. There are times we would even rebel. But I plead with you, if you're rebelling against God tonight, if you're deciding to appoint another captain, please don't do that. There's no way, no life back in Egypt. The only way is way forward into where God's pointing. And God's pointing you through his word to the most blessed blessings that you can have. That is God himself. That's the greatest treasure. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Our priority is God. It's the spirit of God that, who lives within us, who empowers us, who directs us, who guides us, who comforts us, who illuminates our mind to the things of God, who gives us uh, courage when we feel discouraged, who gives us direction when we feel everything is gone pear-shaped. God gets angry at the people after they refuse him. And God says to Moses this, because they have rejected my word, I'm going to let them back into the wilderness. I'm not going to take them back to Egypt, but they're going to go around in the wilderness for 40 years. And the Bible says that the 40 years was determined one year for each day that they were tested to go into the promised land. I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But sometimes a day's rebellion could result in a much higher casualty in the payback in God's economy. Don't say that you walked away from God for a week, that in a week you'll be back. And that's why when someone falls in leadership, it's never a good idea to restore them back within a short space of time. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care. It's far better for some stuttering person to get up here and speak or someone else to proclaim the word of God than we disobey God's rules in this matter. 
40 days, 40 years. Oh, that's too harsh. You know, you should be grateful that sometimes you and I commit some terrible personal sins and God restores us, but he uses us almost immediately back in ministry. Has that happened to any of you? Well, it has happened to me. We should be grateful. You know that God didn't put us on ice for 40 years. But God does use us. Because he's a merciful God. And he wants to restore you back to himself. That's the key. And I'll cover that off in my last point. And so they hear this. And they immediately say, oh, we don't want to perish in the wilderness. And so what they do, and this is our next point, so do not rebel against God, do not appoint another captain. All right, these are do nots. Do not disobey the word of God is the first one. Do not appoint another captain. God is your captain. Look to him. He will lead you, no matter how hard the trial is. And so the people, after Moses' warning, they say, Oh, well, that's okay. We have sinned. We have sinned, Moses. We have sinned against God. And uh, the Bible says in the reading that they put on their armor and they went up to the hilltop and they said, we're ready now. Let's go and fight. And um, surprisingly, surprisingly, God says something at that point. Let's read verse 41. It says, Then he answered and said unto me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight. According to all that the Lord our God commanded us. Fancy that. They disobeyed God first time. And now they are, after they realize the judgment, they say, well, God, uh, we don't want that. We don't like that judgment. So uh, we'll do as you commanded us before. And the Lord said unto me, I want you to note this. And the Lord said unto me, say unto them. See, the Lord's not even talking to them. He's talking to Moses. Say unto them, go not up. A day earlier, what did God say? Go up. Go up. Get it. They rebelled. They disobeyed. And now God's saying, go not up. Neither fight, for I am not among you. To me, that is the most terrifying thing a child of God can ever hear from the lips of God. Go not up, because I am not with you. And that's why when we go on ministry, one of the things we need to make sure is that our lives before God are right and that God is traveling with us. There is no point in going on ministry if God's ten steps behind you. I'm not amongst you. And he says, you will be smitten by your enemies. See the grace of God in that? God says, don't go because you're going to get killed. You're going to get butchered. Don't go. And God's giving them a warning. And so you think they learned from the first disobedience. What did they do? Did they say, yes, Lord. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the warning. 
we are not going to go. What did they do? So I spake unto you, verse 43, and you would not, what? Hear. But rebelled against the commandment of the Lord and went precise, what? Up into the hill. So there is not one disobedience, there is what? Second disobedience. You know, God gives us an opportunity to do something and we disobey. It doesn't mean that in our time we can go back and do that because God's blessing has moved on. I've given that role to somebody else. And so there has to be a genuine repentance. Do you believe that when these people said we have sinned that they genuinely repented? I believe not. Words are easy. Words are cheap. Repentance takes a lot more than just words. It's a change of heart that goes back to God. God's presence had left them. True repentance will involve humility. Not just words, but an attitude of the heart. A brokenness that casts itself on God's mercy. Accept me as a hired servant, the prodigal son said. No longer worthy to be called your son. James says, if you humble yourself in the sight of God, he will do what? He will lift you up. True repentance will result in obedience and delight to do God's word. True repentance will involve time. Will involve a time where God will let you get back on terms with him. You know, it's not just saying one prayer and just say, well, God's now forgiven my sin, now I'm going to march on. No, no, God's got to change your heart. It took Moses 40 years in the wilderness for God to change his heart. And Moses was called the meekest man on earth. Sometimes it might take hard-hearted guys like me much longer to change my heart back to God. And you know, we can't play games with God. He knows whether our heart is changed or not. You can fool me. You can fool pastor. You can say, pastor, I've sinned and a few crocodile tears might even flow down your cheek. You could. And piece of tissue might be offered to you to wipe those tears. But God knows the true stubbornness of your heart. Have you truly repented? So I'm asking tonight, are there sins from which we need to truly repent? Are we continuing in a sin that we've started that we are not willing to let go? Clearly in disobedience to God's word. And God saying, my blessings are not going to come. I'm not with you anymore. Till your repentance is genuine and true. Purity is an important commodity to God. He said, be holy as I'm holy. The pure in heart are those who will see God. What that means is that God doesn't appear, but you'll understand the character of God. You'll get close to God. A good question to ask tonight, is God with us? Is God with me? Has his presence departed from my life? Do I need to get God back into my life? Lord, I'm not being blessed. Is it because of a 
unrepentant attitude that you're carrying. Moses said this, if thy presence not go with us, carry us not up. Exodus 33, 15. When God said to Moses, I'll send my angel before you, and that wasn't good enough for Moses. He said, if your presence, Lord, I need you. If you don't go with us, I'm not going out. I'm not taking one step further. How much do we crave God's presence in that way? We said in our Sunday school class this morning, uh, we asked the question, how many of you said good morning to the Lord today before you ventured out? We said good morning to each other. But did we say good morning to our Lord? We said, Lord, thank you for taking me through the night. Help me to be a blessing to someone today. Lord, just challenge my heart on some of the things that you will show me. Or did we just come rushing in our car? David, after the problems he had at Ziklag, he had some mighty men with him and he could have gone and got everything that was stolen by himself. But the Bible says this, David inquired of the Lord. David went before God and said, God, should I do this? Should I pursue? And God gave one word answer. And what was that word? He said, pursue. No long sermon. He just said, pursue. And you will recover all. You know, true repentance will help you recover territory that you have lost. The years that the locusts have eaten will be restored. But you need to repent. You need to get right with God. Only you know, only you and God know what's going on within the realms of your heart. And it's up to you to put that right before God. And so a lack of repentance will stop God's blessing. And the last point is a lack of remembrance will stop God's blessing. You know, in this story, God said to them, you know, do you know what I did for you? All the wonders in Egypt. Do you know how I gave you the manna from heaven every morning without fail? Do you know how I provided water from a rock? Do you know how I provided that pillar and the cloud to guide you? Do you know that I protected you from all the enemies? Do you know that your shoes did not wear out? Your clothes did not wear out? You, you, everything was fresh. And the people forgot God's faithfulness. And when we forget what God has done for us, our salvation, uh, his faithfulness, his protection over our lives, his love for us, his never-ending love for us, when you forget that, it stops God's blessing. You know, God is committed to us. The Bible says, though we are unfaithful, he cannot deny himself. He will, he will be faithful. He will be faithful to be there for you when you call out to him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you come to that point of heavy labor and you can't move on, God says, I will give you rest. I will give you the energy to move forward in the Christian life. 
No wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. His heart was blessing the Lord because he reflected on the benefits that God had poured upon him. When Jesus visited the seven churches, twice he said, remember. Remember from whence thou art fallen. And what is his next word? He said, and repent. Remember from where thou art fallen and repent. And so tonight, I believe God gives us these stories to be a pattern and sometimes we unconsciously step into these areas of weakness in our lives. Is there a lack of obedience to God's word in our lives? It'll block God's blessing. Is there a rebellion against God because things haven't really gone the way you wanted it to go? And you rebelled and you appoint another captain and you said, look, I'm going to run my race. I remind you that Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You will not make any progress. The blessing of God will not be upon you. And if you crave God's blessing and you'll be foolish, you'll be foolish if you didn't want God's blessing upon your life. Yeah, you'd, you'd miss so much. You'd miss the power of God in your life. You'd missed, uh, you'll miss standing before him that day and the, at the award ceremony. And God would give to you the reward that you deserve because you followed God. And then is there a repentance issue that you say, we have sinned, but it's not really true repentance. Is there a brokenness before God? Is there, the question asked, is God with us? And then is there a remembrance of God? You know, I love uh, when we have our communion service. Um, I came from a brethren background and we used to break bread every day, uh, every Sunday. And it was such a beautiful time. Every Sunday. In our church, it takes 45 minutes to do the communion service because we allow um, people to give thanks to God for what God's done in their lives. And several, 30, 40, 50 would pray in different languages. It's an awesome sight. By the way, you kneel on a concrete floor for 45 minutes. So no carpets, sorry. Uh, but it's the most blessed time. But why? Because it helps us remember what God did for us and humble ourselves and say, God, we don't deserve any of this. But you're so merciful. You've given us this. You even point out to us that we've gone wrong. And all you want us to do is to repent and turn back to you and you will bless us again. Is that too hard to do? Or are we going to be big-headed and say, I'm going to do my own thing? I'm telling you, you'll miss out on the blessing that God has for you. You know, God has the very best for each one of us, not the very worst. God doesn't want you to have second best. He wants every one of you to have the first best. He wants you to have himself in your life. And you can be such a powerful witness. You can be the salt and the light that God intends you to be. If only you follow what God asks you to do. So remember what God did for you. And follow, earnestly, wholly follow the Lord, like Caleb and Joshua, who had another spirit in their lives.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and we thank you for your people. And Lord, your word is so clear and very confronting. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us tonight, that if we've been blocking your blessing in so many areas, that you would help us tonight to put them right. And Lord, to just walk with you one more time. And Lord, to have your presence go with us at all times. In Jesus' precious name, amen.